Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Hepatitis. Remember the recent scare with the organic berries from Costco? It brought to light that many of us don't really know what this infection is about and how different things can cause the inflammation of the liver. Medications, cholesterol, viruses, there are many different insults that the liver has to deal with every day, and any one of these can cause inflammation known as hepatitis. What can you do about it? Are there shots to prevent against all these different causes? Well, Dr. Robert Decker is back in the studio, gastroenterologist at Kaiser Permanente, here to tell us more. We'll be taking your calls in just a few minutes at 941-3689. Toll free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. First in medical news, if you've had prostate cancer and had surgery surgery to remove it, does using soy powder in your diet help to prevent it from coming back? Well, since it's often recommended for its estrogenic properties, researchers thought so, but it's not the case. According to the most recent issue of the journal, the American Medical Association, adding more of this into your diet, not a helpful way to reduce the recurrence of prostate cancer. If you do get this illness, make sure you talk with your doctor about appropriate changes in your diet and lifestyle to make sure you can reduce your risk of recurrence as much as possible. Do vaccines increase the risk of Guillain-Barre syndrome, this rare condition associated with somewhat paralysis of various parts of the body, including hopefully not the respiratory tract, can sometimes affect folks. And, you know, Kaiser in California studied over 30 million person years of retrospective data, meaning 30 million years of life for various people collected over the course of 13 years and found no immunizations or vaccines were not associated with the onset of Guillain-Barre. However, in over two-thirds of the cases, a recent gastrointestinal or respiratory infection within the prior three months was found. The biggest culprits, Campylobacter, is the most common cause for stomach infection that was associated with the potential risk of Guillain-Barre. But influenza, cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr virus, mycoplasma, and HIV were all associated with the subsequent development of this neurologic issue. Speaking of shots, does the pneumonia shot work? Well, in the latest issue of the New England Journal of Medicine, since the childhood version of this was introduced into the vaccine schedule in the year 2000, there's been a substantial reduction in the hospitalization of those in all age groups with pneumonia to the tune of 168,000 fewer admissions yearly. If you're over 65, diabetic, have a history of lung disease, get your pneumonia shot now. Also, if you have children or grandchildren who have been born since 2000 or even before, ask their doctor if they've gotten the shot as well. It's a different one for kids, but apparently it works for everyone. The liver, you can't live without one, and you need to be nice to the one you have. We're talking about the many causes of hepatitis today. If you've got a question... 
about this liver condition, Dr. Robert Decker from Kaiser Permanente is in the studio, and we'd like to hear from you. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Decker, welcome back to The Body Show. Thank you. Happy to have you here today. You know, the liver, it's a pretty darn important organ. Let's go over some of the basics. What does the liver do on the body? Well, the liver primarily acts as a filter. Uh, everything that you uh, ingest goes through the liver, and toxins are detoxified, um, proteins are made, and uh, that's primarily what it does. It disposes of most of the toxins that uh, are taken in uh, to the body. So you can't really live without one? No, you can't. And when it's not working, what happens? I mean, what are some of the consequences if your liver doesn't work even a little bit? Well, uh, some of the toxins start building up, and it can cause uh, several things to happen. One is uh, that a certain toxin that's related to ammonia and protein digestion uh, causes you to lose your mental uh, capacity. It also um, tends, it, the liver makes the proteins that make your blood coagulate so that as your liver starts to fail, your blood stops coagulating and you start bleeding spontaneously. So you don't clot, you do the opposite, you bleed extra. That's right. Okay, now inflammation in particular, when it's in the liver, we call that hepatitis, specifically the ITIS ending, meaning, you know, something is inflamed. But there's lots of different causes of hepatitis. What are some of the common causes? Well, there are all the viral hepatitis, uh, hepatitis A, B, C. What are we up to now, like hepatitis H? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are? Okay, yeah, because it seems like we know about some of the common ones, and then somebody says hepatitis F. What? Really? Where? Okay. And um, alcohol and other uh, toxins um, are probably uh, the second most important uh, cause. Um, there's also a condition called uh, steatohepatitis, which is fatty infiltration into the liver. Fatty it, liver. We give it this fancy name, steatohepatitis, but we're really just insulting your liver, calling it fat. Well, I think that there's a substantial difference between fatty liver, which probably about 30% of people have just from being somewhat obese. Uh, but steatohepatitis is a particularly virulent form of this that can lead to cirrhosis and liver death. So it's... Really fatty liver. I mean, it's not just, bad, okay, bad fatty liver. You're, you got a little extra going on there. It's all right. Now we're causing damage to the liver because of it. That's right. Okay. Now, you know, when we talk about some of these things, are there any symptoms before somebody gets that bad? I mean, we know the liver, we're lucky enough that if you if you do damage some liver cells, they can sometimes regenerate. So there is a regenerative capacity of the liver. But what kind of symptoms might somebody have if they had an early type of insult to the liver? Let's talk about this steatohepatitis. Are there any symptoms or would it just be determined on a blood test? Mostly determined on a blood test. The symptoms are so, the very early symptoms anyways, are so nonspecific that you really can't define them. It would be hard to know. Uh, If you really go back and talk to somebody who's got significant uh, steatohepatitis or any form of hepatitis, their first complaint is generally fatigue and just not feeling well. And then they start um, getting uh, edema or swelling in their uh, extremities. Is that because they don't make as much protein or there's it's, pressure it's, on the liver or a couple of different it's reasons? It's a couple of different things. The, the liver starts telling the, um, the kidneys that uh, the body is dehydrated, so the kidneys start holding on to water and salt. Um, and also there is a decrease in the amount of protein, so fluid leaks out of your blood, uh, blood vessels. 
Could you have steatohepatitis and have a normal cholesterol test in your blood? Oh, certainly. So just having good cholesterol isn't really going to tell you you don't have this condition. If you had steatohepatitis, would it cause elevation of a blood test known as your liver enzymes? Yes, in most cases. So if you have normal liver enzymes, good blood cholesterol, you're not having any symptoms, you're probably okay. Yeah. All right. I don't want to get everybody all worried that they might have this. Um, Certainly, I've had plenty of people who have had fatty liver. They work on a diet. They work on lowering their cholesterol, and their liver enzymes go down. That's right. And in the terms of fatty liver, it's uh, generally uh, reversible. Once we get into the steatohepatitis, then... It's not so reversible. Right. So in this particular scenario, if you had elevated liver enzymes, now let's talk about liver enzymes because I'm sort of throwing out this term without really defining it. So liver enzymes are things that your liver produces. It's a blood test you can measure. And if your liver's damaged, it releases the enzymes into the bloodstream. And when you do a blood test, we can detect that. That's right. And so if those numbers are a little bit high, you know, for men, sometimes we'll go up to the 40s, 50s, for women into the 30s or so. If those numbers are a couple of points high, nothing really serious. But if you get consistent elevated numbers, you really should get it checked out. Yes. Okay. And we need to check for several of the different types of hepatitis, not just fatty liver. And we'll talk about those in just a sec. I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Robert Decker. He is our gastroenterology expert today. And we are talking about hepatitis, not just the infection ones with the letters, but all different sources of damage that can occur to the liver and what you can do to make sure that you don't continue to cause this if inadvertently you are. You can join our conversation at 941-3689 on Oahu. Toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, I know everybody was all worried about the hepatitis A outbreak with the Costco berries. This was traced to these organic berries from a company, Townsend. I think it was outside of Portland. They thought maybe pomegranate seeds from Turkey or something was the source. Let's talk about these letter infections, hepatitis A, B, C, and beyond. Let's talk hepatitis A, because that was what we were concerned about. I think as of last week, eight cases proven in uh, in Hawaii alone, in various islands that were traced to these berries, um, sent out. There's a report sent out from the Department of Health. Hepatitis A, scary, not so much. Well, it can make you pretty sick, but if you have an otherwise normal liver, it's generally not fatal. Uh, but uh, you can be sick for uh, quite a period of time with it. And when we say sick, what kind of sick? Are we turning yellow? What are, what are we doing? Oh, oh, yeah. Most people with hepatitis A, acute hepatitis A infection, will get jaundiced, will turn yellow. Uh, they'll feel really bad, uh, like having a really bad influenza without the uh, lung infection part of it. So you feel like a truck ran over you and you're yellow. That's right. That just doesn't sound fun. Now, one of the places that we often get concerned about is when people travel to other locations. We don't see as much hepatitis A here as you might if you go traveling to somewhere exotic where you're not used to the foods. But what sorts of things other than we know these berries that occurred, um, how do you get hep A? What could you possibly eat that would give you that? Hepatitis A is uh, transmitted by an oral fecal root, meaning that basically it's a human infection that's spread through contaminated uh, food or whatever, um, contaminated by uh, human waste. That gets into either water or something associated with this food. Right. Okay. And so uh, 
you know, vegetable products that aren't properly washed, especially in third world countries where the sanitation isn't as good, are uh, at uh, suspect uh, as these pomegranate seeds in Turkey. And um, the other uh, major source are uh, shellfish. That uh, shellfish uh, filter water to to eat, and they filter these viruses. But then they harbor these viruses. So if uh, the shellfish is growing in polluted water, it can contain the hepatitis A virus. So that's how it would happen is actually, you know, you might get some shrimp and you think, hey, it just came right out of the ocean. Uh, That doesn't matter. What else is going in the ocean? That's right. Okay, so shellfish is another source. Now, when when we suggest people get vaccinated for hepatitis A in particular, there's a two-course vaccine. You get one shot, then you get a booster shot in about six months. Um, is that protection for life? In most cases, uh, for hepatitis A, it, so seems, it seems to be. And if you get infected with hepatitis A, do you have protection for life? Yes. So if you've already gotten it, Kind of good for you because you've gotten over it, hopefully, and now you're immune from this point onwards. And that's part of the reason why it's not a real major problem in these third world countries because everybody gets it as a child. And as a child, it's a very mild disease. Sometimes they don't even know they had it. And so almost everybody in these kind of environments is already immune from from very early in their life, and it's not an adult um, health problem. So they can eat the shellfish, no big deal. They can eat the vegetables. They don't get sick. And then you go, but they look healthy, and yet you could have the same thing, not have immunity. Right. So pretty important if you're traveling, make sure that you take a look at the CDC Center for Disease Control Guidelines. Make sure that you look and see if you need to get these vaccinations before you go somewhere. They have a great list at at uh, cdc.gov. You can go to the Traveler's Health section, gives you a whole list of things you want. And hepatitis A is on there if you're traveling. If you're home here in the islands, should people go get vaccinated against hep A? I see no reason not to. However, the number of cases that uh, appear in Hawaii are quite sporadic. I believe there was an outbreak on a cruise ship a couple of years ago, and you hear of a case here and there, and then you hear of one restaurant or one thing that has an outbreak of eight to, eight to ten people. Um, but it's your chances are not real high. But on the other hand, I don't see any downside in terms of getting the va- uh, the vaccine. So you could get the shot if you'd like to. And now they now actually have Twinrix, which is a combination hepatitis A and hepatitis B shots. So it's an easy way. If you don't like shots, you can limit the number of shots by combining a few. That's right. So let's talk about B, because I think B and C are kind of the big bad monsters. Well, certainly. Um, both hepatitis B and C can be fatal. Uh, that makes them bad monsters right then and there. Okay. And hepatitis B is um, a uh, virus that is transmitted by um, blood products or um, blood any, and body any, fluids. I any any, any uh, okay. human body fluid. And um, the problem with uh, hepatitis B is that it can go onto a chronic form and um, that you get sick, you get over it, but you don't get rid of the virus. That virus then can go on for years in your body. You don't even know you have it, but it's causing some, uh, some damage and can lead to uh, either cirrhosis or hepatocellular carcinoma. So with B, if you look at everybody who gets hepatitis B, how many wind up in the chronic active hepatitis B group? Is that, you know, 50%, 5%, 10%? About 10% if you get it um, as an adult. Okay. 
the problem is that there is a, a lot of transmission of hepatitis B when you're born, that if your mother has an active hepatitis B infection, it's very frequently transmitted to the child if uh, precautions like during are, childbirth. Right, during childbirth, if precautions aren't taken. Now, there are very effective precautions, and that's why all pregnant uh, women in Hawaii are tested for hepatitis B, so that these pre- uh, precautions can be taken at the time of birth. So if you are exposed to hepatitis B when you're born, that can stay in your body for your whole life and can put you at a greater risk for developing these sorts of problems? Oh, certainly, yes. And it's a, and particularly a risk in, uh, in Asia. And with Hawaii's uh, broad Asian uh, population, we have probably the highest percentage of the population infected with hepatitis B in the uh, U.S., Now, we talked about those shots to help protect people. The hepatitis B shots, it's a little more extensive. You get shot number one. God, I remember, you know, my first day of medical school, they said, okay, unless you've had hep B, stand in this line, get shot number one, because it wasn't given when I was a kid. It wasn't a shot that was recommended. It wasn't required. Then I go off to medical school, day one, shot number one. Then you get your next shot about four weeks later. You get your third shot about uh, at the six-month point from your first shot, which makes it perfect for the hep A, the twin ricks. You can just get your hep A and B together for shot one, solo hep B for shot two, together again for shot three. So you can combine those if you need to. Now, the hepatitis B shots immune for life? Not necessarily. Uh-oh. As a matter of fact, uh, I got my first shot in 1983, uh, and had was retested in 1990, was still immune, and then retested in 1994, and I was no longer immune. So I had to receive a booster shot. So even if you've had all three shots and your immunity is tested and it's negative, then you need a booster shot for that one. We think so. It's hard to say because, you know, you wouldn't want to be in a situation where you go, well, just go get exposed and see what happens and we'll see if you've got immunity. You know, that's generally not something we would recommend, that whole do no harm policy. You know, we like to follow that. Um, but, OK, so getting a booster, not a bad thing. I mean, a booster shot is just kind of like good for you. You're extra immune. Should people who are and this kind of gets to be an interesting question. Should healthcare workers who have been tested for immunity because they've had their three shots get retested? periodically? That's an interesting one. That's an interesting question. Um, There is no policy, and the CDC says nothing about that, but it's probably not a bad idea. It makes me want to go test it just in case. I mean, I guess it would depend on what you do. Are you exposed to blood or body fluids regularly? Are you a surgeon? Boy, you got a high exposure, even despite gloves, etc. Do you work in a lab? You may not be a physician, but any healthcare worker, you're drawing blood from other patients. Not a bad idea. Might be a good thing to take a look at. I should go get retested. Medical school was just a few years ago. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. We are talking about hepatitis today with Dr. Robert Decker from Kaiser Permanente. He is a gastroenterologist and an expert. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about B. Then we're going to talk about hepatitis C as well. You can join our conversation if you've ever had hepatitis or if you've been treated for it and cured. I know there are some folks out there. You can join us at 941-3689. Toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
Coming up on Echoes, a live performance from England's Still Corners. They're making a gorgeous dream pop with psychedelic edges and shoegaze moods, fronted by singer Tessa Murray. I'm John DiLibretto. Join me when Still Corners plays music from their new CD, Strange Pleasures, live on Echoes, a music soundscape from PRI, Public Radio International. Tonight at 10. Miss your favorite talk show? Get it on the Talk Show Archive. Whether it's one of the weeklies, Business of the Arts, The Body Show, Bite Marks Cafe, and Town Square, or The Conversation every weekday morning, it's on the HPR website. And if you want to talk back, the link to our email, Twitter, and Facebook are all there, too. Your favorite talk, it really is just a click away. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with my return guest, gastroenterologist, amazing guy, Dr. Robert Decker from Kaiser Permanente. And we are talking about hepatitis. Don't get it. But if you do, well, here's some things on how to avoid making it worse. You can join our conversation today on Oahu, 941 3689, toll free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Before the break, we were talking about hepatitis B. That's a big bad monster, can in 10% of cases become chronic and active, can lead to hepatocellular carcinoma. Don't get that. We were talking about whether or not people should have their immunity retested, find out if they need a booster shot. And for some folks, it might be a good idea. I would talk to your doctor, see what they say. Um, I'm a doctor. I'm tempted to go get tested, make sure I'm still immune. And if I need a booster shot, just go get one because I love to travel quite a bit. Now, B doesn't always have to go ahead and result in serious complications. Dr. Decker, you mentioned about about 10% of people might have troubles. But if you've previously been exposed to B, can you can your body resolve this and have the virus not remain active or not even remain in the body? Oh, about 90% of adults who get hepatitis B will have an acute illness uh, that will last several weeks or even a couple of months, uh, but will get over it and will then be lifelong uh, immune for life. Immune. If you've had hepatitis B and you're in that unfortunate 10%, if you haven't been vaccinated for A, should you go get that shot? I would recommend it, yes. Because you don't want double hepatitis. And if you ever need to undergo any kind of chemotherapy or uh, anything that affects your immune system like that, that your doctor needs to be well aware of that. And you need to be retested at that time to make sure that the virus hasn't reawoken. Exactly. You don't want to wake up a sleeping giant, we'll say. Good. Okay. Well, let's talk about C because that's another hepatitis. And, you know, I know previous to knowing that it even existed, I mean, we didn't always test for this. We're still discovering more different variants of hepatitis. But with hepatitis C, it's in the news a lot. The CDC recently recommended anybody born between the years of 1945 and 65 get tested. That baby boomer generation who might be exposed to hep C prior to us doing screening and might be eligible to do something about it, some new medications, better to use when hepatitis C is discovered prior to significant liver damage than waiting to use some of the older treatments, interferon, et cetera, that you have to use later on. What are what are the stats for hepatitis C? Who gets it? And if they do, how often is it going to lead to troubles? Well, about 2% of the population in the United States has hepatitis Already. C. Already? C. Right. Okay. And... Uh, 
And the reason for the CDC uh, recommendation is that they found that although that cohort of people uh, born between uh, 1945 and 1965 comprised 25 percent of the population, they have 75 percent of the hepatitis C. Wow. Okay, so that particular group, those 20 years, you're born between those two years, you're at a greater risk because statistically, you guys out there, you're a, you're, you've got the hepatitis. Statistically, that's your cohort. Those are your buddies. That's right. right. And um, I'm not sure how to explain that uh, other than the wild uh, 60s and 70s uh, and uh, the uh, rampant increase in uh, IV drug use. But there are a number of other risk factors for hepatitis C, uh, IV drug use being uh, one of the most, or receiving blood products before 1990. Before 1990, we couldn't identify this virus and weren't screening. We didn't know it. Yeah, we couldn't screen. And weren't screening the uh, the uh, blood banks uh, for this uh, hepatitis C so that if you received a, a transfusion before 1990, you're certainly at risk. About 3% of... Uh, the blood transfusions at that time resulted in chronic hepatitis C infection. So these would be chronic infection, not just you got an infection, you got over it, but chronic infection. Now, hepatitis C varies from hepatitis B in that about 80% of people who are exposed to hepatitis C will keep it, and uh, it will be a chronic disease for life. That's worse than B. Much worse than B. It's like a bigger, better monster. Right. We've got to think of some reason to give that a name. Not a nice one. Okay. Well, we've got some callers on the line. We've got Connie on the line from Maui. Connie, welcome to The Body Show. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling. I had hepatitis A 45 years ago. Whenever I try to give blood, I'm always rejected. How come? Well, I'm glad you got better from it, Connie, you know, because hep A is one of those ones that you recover from. Sometimes when the blood bank does screening, they want to be extra careful that anybody who's had a previous infection, if there's anything in your blood that shows up as, even if it's just an antibody, as any possible problem, given the fact that up until 1990, we didn't test blood supply for hep C, we couldn't identify it. I think the, the blood bank is just so overly cautious, maybe in a good way, to make sure that people who have any potential risk of prior infection don't, for whatever reason, transmit something to somebody, even through their best efforts to try and donate blood to help save other lives. Dr. Decker, any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's pretty much the, the story. They're just super conservative. You probably still have the antibody, which means you're immune to it, but mm-hmm. um, they're being extra careful. And because you've had that infection, they don't want to risk um, having you donate blood. Well, Connie, I, but I appreciate your offer to donate blood. I mean, again, <laughs> there's a lot of people who wouldn't donate even if they've never had hepatitis. So good that you want to get out there and save lives. I'm sorry they've rejected your blood. They don't really need to, but I think based on just being super cautious, they've just sort of said thank you so much, but no thanks. Oh, okay. So I probably would not pass on any infection. You wouldn't pass on the infection. They're screening testing. When we look for things in blood, we often look for antibodies. We might not find the actual virus in the blood, but we might find your immune system's protection against the virus. And if they find a high level of protection, it might just trigger some other tests that would make you ineligible. But you would not be giving hepatitis A to another individual if you gave them your blood. Good. Good. 
Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for calling us, Connie. And thanks again for wanting to be a blood donor because we certainly need a lot of those. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Mary from Kailua. Mary, welcome to The Body Show. Yes. Hello, Kathy. Hello. How are you? Um, well, I'm curious because um, I love shellfish and how can I fix it so uh, so I can guarantee that it's healthy. That's one question. And the other question is, um, what about when I go swimming in the ocean? What do I need to do? Good question. Well, you know, as far as making sure shellfish is healthy, that's a tongue twister, Dr. Decker. I'm trying to get that out without slipping <laughs> into some bad words, you know. But making sure shellfish is healthy. All right. What should you do? Should you just cook it? Cooking it if it's if it's thoroughly cooked uh, is. I mean, a, I like well done. I don't know. Some people like a little less than well done, but shellfish cook it well. You're okay. Yeah, that's that's a pretty safe way of doing it. If it's if it's cooked well, if it's not cooked well, uh, that won't completely protect you from the virus. And uh, probably checking the source of where this uh, shellfish where, where does where's it coming from? I'm a little bit leery of some of the shellfish coming from. Uh, some of the third world countries, and uh, especially would not eat any of those uh, raw. But like kahuku shrimp, you wouldn't mind. Oh, Go to the shrimp no. truck, bring it on. Mm. Yeah, I know. Don't make me hungry, Mary. It's dinner <laughs> and, time. And, and in addition, you could get a hepatitis A vaccine. That's the other option, Mary. You could get shots to protect yourself forever. Now, swimming in the ocean, what should you protect against? Well, I don't think you're going to catch hepatitis A from the ocean. There's plenty of other bacteria in the ocean. So if you've got an open cut or an open sore, probably not a good idea to go swimming. If you know we've had a lot of recent rain and there's a lot of runoff, my favorite beach in the island, I'm going to admit, is Kailua. And if the lake ever overruns and you see the water is brown, mm-hmm. not your best time to go swimming. Uh, maybe go to the pool that day. But, uh, you know, there's no other real infection like hepatitis you're going to catch from the water. There's plenty of other stuff. Just be careful when you're out there. Shower afterwards. Make sure you get off all the sand and whatever else you might have gotten from the ocean. Keep an eye on any red spots. Make sure they're not getting worse. But keep on exercising and swimming. It's a great activity. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling us today, Mary. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Sherry from Honolulu. Sherry, welcome to The Body Show. Hi, um, thank you for calling, for taking my call, Dr. Kozak and Dr. Decker. I'd like to um, share um, my experience. Both my mom and my brother died from liver failure. My brother at age 49 from liver cancer and my mother uh, decompensated cirrhosis. Both had chronic hepatitis C, but we were not aware of it until it was too late. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Shari. So I, uh, I highly recommend for everyone to get tested and vaccinated. And uh, I, I do participate in um, um, the Hepatitis Support Network of Hawaii so to convince people to get tested and vaccinated. So tested for hepatitis C, also B, vaccine for B and A. We don't have a hep C vaccine yet, but certainly if you've been exposed to hepatitis based on your personal experience losing family members, you would advocate people do whatever they can to find out and treat it. Right. Absolutely. Shari, you got tested to see if you were exposed to? Yes. My whole family got tested. 
Okay. Well, I hope other family members that uh, that are with you are safe. And I want to thank you for sharing your story because you're right. It can take young people. Forty nine is too young to go when somebody is uh, is your brother has uh, the rest of his life to lead. So thanks for sharing that. And I do hope that with your voice and with everybody else, people get tested, find out if they're exposed and find out what the best thing is to do about it. So they don't have to find out by the time they have cirrhosis or cancer. So thanks for sharing that experience with us. Thank you so much, Dr. Korsak. I love your show. Well, thank you for listening. I'm happy you do. And thanks for sharing what you need to tell us today, which is get out there, get tested for hepatitis, particularly C. So thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Robert Decker. If you've got a question about hepatitis, we might just have an answer. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Dr. Decker, we don't have a shot for C yet, right? No, unfortunately we don't. We probably won't for quite some time. How come? The hepatitis C virus is such a tricky virus. It's a very uh, basic virus. It's not, uh, it's not a, a DNA virus like hepatitis B. It's a RNA virus. So it can change its characteristics so quickly. Sneaky. It's, you know, it's worse than uh, the, the flu where we have to have a new flu virus or flu uh, flu shot every, every year. Every year, hepatitis can C can change so quickly. Right. It's like we need like ten hepatitis C shots, all the different variants. Probably more. Oh boy! All right, so that's why it's just sneaky. Okay, well, and we said we're up to like hepatitis H or something, so they keep discovering more. Well, there are, there are several that have been uh, quote discovered that haven't uh, been found to have any uh, significant influence. There is a hepatitis D, which uh, only infects people with hepatitis B. Uh, this is strange. Yeah, it's um, like if it's you've got, got B, you're my victim, but if not. And, and that can be uh, uh, a, a very, it makes the B it's a much, double whammy, right. much worse. Uh, there is a hepatitis E, which is found basically in some third world countries, especially uh, in uh, India and uh, the um, in Pakistan area, that uh, seems to only uh, affect pregnant women, hmm. and that others can get infected by it and have a very mild infection, but it can be fatal in pregnant women. Uh, but it isn't seen uh, very often in the United States outside of people returning from areas uh, uh, where it's in endemic. those areas in India. Okay. All right. Well, it's making me not want to travel. Okay. I love to travel. I don't want to be scared. I want to get all my shots so that I can just go enjoy and not have to worry. We've got a caller on the line. We have Diane from Maui. Diane, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Um, I'm getting scared you're on. about I just this. caught it on the radio and first time I've ever called into a talk show. Oh, fantastic. So, all right. What can we do for you? Well, I had hepatitis B um, back in um, 1986. Excuse me, 1977, um, and I'm in my 60s now and healthy and active. I'm not a carrier. Um, have no idea how I contracted B, and I just heard. I didn't see, hear the beginning of the show, but I did hear that you say that even if you had B, you should still have a shot for A. Yes, That's absolutely. One question I have. Mm-hmm. So should you get shots for A, even though you've had B before? But the good news is this. You're not a carrier. And if you've established that you're not in that chronic active hepatitis group, 
then mm-hmm. you're in good you're in a good situation right now because the people who really have to worry are the ones that still have the chronic active hepatitis infection. Yeah. So since you're not a carrier, good for you. I don't know how you got it, but you don't have it now. Good you work. You know, it is it is a total mystery um, because I I in the seventies uh, dentists did not wear gloves. I mean, I'm not in any way a, a hepatitis B um, candidate. I mean, never used IV. Never you know <laughs> had a healthy lifestyle in the seventies. Um, had gone to Mexico, um, but that's generally a hepatitis A um, issue, not a B. I mean, there was no, there was no blood transfer. Sure, it's a mystery, Mexico. Diane. You know, the only thing I could think of with the dentist at that time, I'd had some molar work, and dentists didn't wear gloves. It was always a mystery how in the world I got B. I recovered very quickly, um, but. You had mentioned that um, sometimes mothers can pass B on, and you can. That that's the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah, we're uh, learning lots of stuff from Doctor Decker. Uh, Doctor Decker, it's true you can acquire this in in vitro, I guess what you call it, or in vivo, maybe when you're still not yet born. Uh, no, actually, it's probably at the birth process. At the birth process. Okay. So you can acquire it at the birth process. Could it be possible that somebody acquires this and then doesn't manifest anything until their 30s or 40s, even though they've been exposed to it that long ago? Oh, certainly. That happens all the time. And they wouldn't wow. necessarily be an active, chronic active carrier. They could have it and then it would go away. No, it, they're, they're actually a chronic active carrier. It can be in several different states. Okay. But basically, an infection that occurs that early in life, uh, the body tends to tolerate it, and they become uh, immune incompetent in terms of their immune system being able to fight off that virus. And so they just live, it just lives happily there for a number of years, but by the time you're 40 or 50 years old, it has increased your risk of getting hepatocellular cancer by many, many fold. Okay, so I and every time I have, I'm a Kaiser member, and every time I do have my my um, um, blood checked, um, my liver enzymes are in the normal range. Um, so, but no one has said that I should have a hepatitis A shot, and and my adult children in their twenties. Also, Kaiser members, they should also have A and B shots, vaccinations? Well, you know, it becomes that question. And, Dr. Decker, if somebody's had hepatitis B, should they always get A shots just to protect? It's It's, it's, it's probably not a bad idea, but um, the chance that you would have any significant problem if you did contract uh, hepatitis A, other than the problems that everybody uh, who has an uh, a normal liver uh, has with uh, with hepatitis A are, are very, very small. Uh, but on the other hand, um, I wouldn't take the chance. So it's a good idea to get the shot, um, Diane. You don't have to. There's no harm in getting it. It's just extra protection. And, you know, these days, do they give? I'm curious, Dr. Decker. I just don't know the answer to this. Do they give hepatitis B shots now as a standard childhood vaccine? 
I believe so. I think at least, they do. At least in Hawaii. They do in the islands, right. So, okay. you know, Diane, if your kids, you can always check their shot records, see if they've gotten the shots for hepatitis B. If they do oh. go and work in any medical or nursing profession, it will be required that they get those shots. If they travel anywhere that they could, God forbid, be in an accident, might get a blood transfusion abroad, not a bad idea to get it as a travel shot. Not required, but definitely no reason why not to. Okay. Um, yeah, they're born and raised here, so they probably did if that's, if that's the normal They might um, have. Procedure. Depends on the age, yeah, because yeah. it depends on how old they are, and they haven't always done the hepatitis B vaccination for kids. One last question, if I could. Um, I thank you so much for your time. I do drink wine uh, at every meal. Is that, am I more at risk for liver damage because I've had hepatitis B, and I do drink um, two glasses of wine at dinner? Probably not. If your liver enzymes are normal and um, you've been shown that uh, you have what we call a hepatitis B surface antibody, meaning that you're, you have gotten rid of the virus and have the antibody to it, you probably don't have any substantial uh, damage to your liver from your short uh, hepatitis B infection, and that moderate intake of uh, alcohol is probably not a problem at all. Okay. All right, well, Diane. Thank you very much. Thanks very, for calling us today. You got it. It hopefully won't be your last time calling into a talk show. All right, I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Robert Decker. We're talking hepatitis. We would love to hear from you. You can call us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. When we come back, we've got some more callers on the line with some great questions. We're talking today about hepatitis. Stay with us. I love the mix of news and entertainment and fine music just feels a very important part of my life. And of course, now that I live on the big island, I feel like I have everything between the island of Hawaii and Hawaii Public Radio. Life couldn't be more perfect. Member supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. The dog was serious. Always had been. No room for levity. Those around him might be lighthearted. Often they laughed, sometimes even at his expense. He was a dachshund. John Lithgow walks the dog. This week on Selected Shorts from PRI, Public Radio International. Tuesday at 5 p.m., following Travel with Rick Steves. Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathy Kozak. Welcome back to The Body Show. We are talking about hepatitis today. Hepatitis is an inflammation of the liver that can come from a variety of different causes. It can be infectious. We've talked a little bit about hepatitis A, hepatitis B, hepatitis C. It can also be related to things that you ingest. Some herbal supplements could cause a problem. Sometimes different medications could cause a problem. And certainly drinking too much alcohol could cause a problem. So we need to be careful overall all to make sure our liver is happy. I've got a guest here in the studio, Dr. Robert Decker from Kaiser Permanente, and we are taking your calls about hepatitis. Let's make sure everybody can keep their liver healthy and keep themselves healthy. We've got John from Honaka'a. John, thank you for being so patient. Welcome to the Body Show. Aloha. Thank you very much for taking the call. Aloha. What can we do for you? Well, I've had hep A and B, and I just want to relate a story that ties in with what you just said in a previous caller. Uh, I live in Thailand most of the time at a small farm here in Honaka, 
travel around Asia extensively. And a few years ago, I had a mine taken into the emergency room because he looked yellow. And uh, they immediately put him into ICU. They put him into dialysis. The next day, they said he had hepatitis A. He couldn't recognize anybody. The next day, he was dead. So the comment uh, about having hepatitis A and not dying with a normal liver is very appropriate because we all thought something was wrong, that they did something wrong, and they did an autopsy, found out that he had fatty liver from excessive drinking. And because I was an excessive drinker, I immediately went in at full test, including testing for hepatitis A and B, found out I'd had A and had had antibodies for B, but I also had fatty liver, so I stopped drinking immediately and uh, have not been drinking since. So it can be fatal with hepatitis A. It's like the doctor says you don't have a normal liver, which uh, obviously from excessive drinking that can do. But when they tested me for B, and this is my question, they said my antibodies had are at a level that I might be a candidate for a booster. I was just wondering if you knew what level that might be, because I might need to be tested here. Well, you know, what they usually do when they're testing for levels is that they're looking for your level of antibody. So you either have a positive immune antibody, an indeterminate level, which they do in the lab and they give sort of these very specific numbers. If you're like 0.6 to 0.9, as far as their antibody level, then you might be indeterminate. And then there's clearly the negative. So if you do get tested for hepatitis, which is an easy test to do, it's a blood test, then they will tell you if if your immunity level is is you know positive immune indeterminate or low or undetectable and then if you're indeterminate or low you just get a booster john so given the experience you described where you watch somebody unfortunately pass away it's worth it to get tested dr decker i mean here's this poor guy and and he's in a foreign country and boom he didn't have a normal liver never knew it gets a had b alcohol, you name it, he's gone. That's a reason for John, his friend, to go get a booster shot, don't you think? That's part of the problem with uh, with hepatitis and alcoholic hepatitis in particular is that until um, it's very late in the game, you don't really have any symptoms. And if you haven't been tested uh, and somebody's <clears throat> looking at your liver enzymes and, and, and checking that kind of thing out, uh, you could be a walking time bomb. So, you know, one of the things I learned, John, way back in medical school was liver enzymes go up if you have functional liver that has been damaged and the liver cells release these enzymes, you detect them in the bloodstream. But if you don't have very much functional liver and your liver actually is functioning very much on the edge, you may not see an increase in liver enzymes because you don't have enough liver cells to cause an increase. And that's sort of when you get really severe into liver damage. But, you know, it never hurts for you. Get your liver tested. Get that booster shot if you're indeterminate because you spend half the year in Thailand and you don't want to limit your travels because you're worried, but make sure you've got immunity to A. Make sure you've got immunity to B. And hopefully you will be fine no matter where you live. Thank you all so much for your show. It's wonderful. Thanks so much for calling us, John, and happy travels and safe travels to you. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Terry calling in from Maui. Terry, welcome to The Body Show. Aloha. Aloha. What can we do for you? 
That's ironic. I put on the radio, and you're on the radio. I just got liver results today. Uh, I have hepatitis C. And I wanted to, first of all, clarify something. You know, there's not a lot of information available, for one. So um, you say it's an inflammation of the liver, and I was always informed it was a blood-borne virus that lodges in the liver. Same thing, potato, potato. Inflammation is what we call hepatitis. When you talk hepatitis C, you are specifically indicating that it is a blood-borne virus that has lodged in the liver. You are correct. Just using the word hepatitis, we can call like alcoholic hepatitis, steatohepatitis. Just using the word hepatitis means inflammation. But when you add that letter C, you are correct. You're talking about a virus. You're talking about it in your liver. Yes. Okay. Well, what I wanted to also um, find out, a couple questions. I want to see about getting an appointment with Dr. Decker. I'm a Kaiser Permanente, you know, member. And um, I've been through sort of a lot of doctors, and nobody's let me talk to the hepatitis doctor yet. And I would really like to have an appointment with you, Dr. Decker. Um, That's number one. And number two is I understand there's new drugs that are not yet out but are quite effective, and I wanted to find out more about that. Good questions, Terry. Two excellent ones. First of all, you're a Kaiser member. Dr. Decker is a Kaiser expert. And your primary care doctor, since you just found these results today, I mean, certainly give it a little bit of time because, you know, it just happened today. You got these results and you will absolutely be sent to see who can help you the most with this. So Dr. Decker is one of the excellent gastroenterologists there. There are some others as well. Some gastroenterologists focus particularly on hepatitis. Others do not. So they might make sure to filter you to somebody who has that expertise. But you mentioned some of the newer drugs. And, you know, Dr. Decker, there are some new drugs that have come out. I don't think they're yet to market. These are new hepatitis C drugs that have been shown to be helpful in the earlier stages of hepatitis and have shown some significant promise with less side effects than the traditional treatment, which was interferon and it had, you know, 18 months long of treatment or something and people had side effects. What was the old treatment and what's right around the corner? Well, the original treatment was a drug called interferon, which uh, is an injectable drug uh, and it causes an awful lot of side effects. By itself, it's not very effective. It's only effective in about 30-40% of cases. Uh, A few uh, years after that was introduced, a second drug called uh, ribavirin was added to it, which increased the efficacy increased the uh, side effects a little bit and um, has been our mainstay of uh, therapy up until about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, when a third uh, drug called a protease inhibitor, which is one of the um, kind of drugs that they use to treat HIV, uh, was added. Uh, That increased the efficacy even further. However, it also added to that uh, list of side effects. So right now we have fairly decent uh, therapy in terms of efficacy, somewhere up in in a 70% range overall, and depending on what subtype of uh, hepatitis C you have, and there are at least eight, um, some are uh, almost 100% curable and some are uh, far less, and the specific treatment would depend on on your particular subtype and, and your particular situation. There is 
However, uh, there are newer drugs on the market that we feel that probably within two years or so, at least for some forms of the hepatitis C virus, are going to replace this interferon, this injectable uh, medication, which is the one that causes the most marked side effects. So we've got good stuff up and coming. They're doing some studies now. This is, I think some of them have been FDA approved. And, you know, from the day that the FDA approves a medication, it still takes a while for a company to make it, distribute it, start to advertise or or make known that they have this medicine and actually start providing it to pharmacies and to hospitals and doctors. So it's coming around the corner, Terry, and I hope it comes pretty soon for your case. And I hope you have the particular subtype of hep C that can be best treated. All right, we have a couple more callers in the line. I'd like to get to everybody here. Lisa from Eva Beach. Lisa, what can we do for you? Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. I had hepatitis B in the 70s, probably the late 70s, and I'm in my late 50s now. I was just a bit alarmed when I heard about B, which I was not aware of, and that it only affects people who have had, is this, they've only had D, had it, or actively have it only if you actively have it uh, okay. is that so hep, if you've uh, gotten over the hepatitis uh, b you don't have to worry about d you won't get hepatitis okay. b again so you'll never get d okay terrific okay because i i am tested all the time because of a medication that i take my doctor does test my liver twice a year not necessarily for hepatitis so that was my second question when he tests my liver function for, you know, the effects of the cholesterol medication, is that going to give the the enzymes, will those read for hepatitis, or do I need to do a specific hepatitis test just to make sure? There's one specific hepatitis test that uh, should be done, but it only needs to be done once. Okay. And, if, and if, that's been, if that's been done and you have the antibody to the hepatitis B virus, you don't need that done again. All right. Terrific. Thank you very much for getting this information out. It's so important. All right. Thanks for calling us, Lisa. Thank you. We've got Caroline on the line from Waikoloa. Caroline, welcome to The Body Show. Is Caroline there? All right. Caroline, are you there from Waikoloa? Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What can we do for you? Um, Well, I had a few years ago, I had a bunch of testing done because I have um, osteoarthritis and they checked me out for a bunch of immune things, too, and they did a custom hepatitis panel. Now, I'm a former um, healthcare worker, and I did have, I guess it would be called an acute hepatitis back in 1984, but I never found out. I mean, I had a liver biopsy and everything, and, and I was okay, but my doctor was killed in a car accident right after um, my hospitalization. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, there never was any real follow-up, although I've certainly doctored over the years. So anyway, um, I've had um, all of the hepatitis B series. I've had at least one booster, if not two. And on my panels, I come up, my custom hepatitis panel from a couple of years ago, I'm non-reactive to all of the antibodies. Interesting. You get and all these shots? The hepatitis C. And I was told um, when I was non-reactive after receiving one booster that I, I just probably better not have another booster. And I, you know, I don't know what this means. Well, it's kind of interesting. If you've had your liver tested, I guess I don't know about you, Dr. Decker, but I, what I would say is 
the, the vaccine against hep B is not the virus. So there's no harm in getting another three-shot series. Maybe there's something unusual about you that you don't show immunity. But if you're concerned about it and you had this history back in 84, it doesn't hurt to get the series again. Dr. Decker, what would you think? I mean, no, three it w- shots, it, w- it won't hurt you because you're not getting the virus. No, it wouldn't hurt. But there are some people, uh, boy, I don't know the percentage, but it's, it's a very low percentage of people who do not respond to the They just, uh, no matter how many shots they get, right. they're just non-responders for immunity. So it wouldn't hurt to try that a new series. to be what they thought. And yeah. That's why at the time... I was advised not to get another. I mean, it's hard to say, Caroline, because you're in a small percentage of people. It won't hurt you. It may or may not help you. And they might be thinking, hey, you're just, you know, we've given you the shots. You don't seem to show immunity. Let's not, you know, worry about giving you more shots. It's a tough one. You're in that small elite group of strange individuals who have unusual results. Same thing. For the hepatitis C, but I've never received a vaccine for that one. Well, you never will because we don't have one yet. Oh, I see. So we don't have a C. We've got an A. We've got a B. No C yet. Okay. And uh, just so you know, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow, but I do have um, somewhat elevated liver enzymes right now. All right. Well, you go get that checked out, Caroline, because I think that would be important. We've got one more caller, Fred from Kahala. Fred, I've got about one minute. Tell me what I can do for you. Okay, thank you for taking the call. Uh, yeah, real quick, uh, you're, you're speaking of psychological uh, problems that might come with hepatitis, which I have a family member which does have very serious psycho- psychological effects. But also, uh, she had uh, a baby, and the baby ended up with G6PD deficiency, which is a red blood cell uh, deficiency. And if that might have, uh, or hepatitis has an effect uh, to where the baby would have G6PD deficiency. Good quick question, Fred. Thanks for keeping it quick. Unrelated. G6PD, unrelated to hepatitis, so you don't have to worry. The type of psychological problems we talked about having when you have hepatitis are more related to if your liver fails and all these toxins build up in your body, it can cause you to have effects on your brain. Sure. But it's not necessarily going to cause depression, anxiety, psychological symptoms, because you've had it in the past, it's not the same type of psychological concern we talked about, like toxin buildup. And G6PD, it is an infection. It's not related. Actually, I'm sorry. It's not an infection. It's a deficiency. It is not related to infection. It is not related to hepatitis. So I hope this works out for your sister and for her baby. Uh, Dr. Decker, we had so many calls. We couldn't even get everybody. You've got to come back. It's excellent information about hepatitis. Generally, if people aren't sure, go talk to their doctor, get tested, and if you travel, make sure you figure out if you need it. That's right. Prevention is um, is step one, and if you have it, you need to be uh, talking with your physician because there are treatments. And there's some new ones coming up, so, you right. know, definitely something to take a look at. All right. Well, Dr. Decker, thank you again for sharing your expertise with us here on The Body Show. Dr. Robert Decker is a gastroenterology expert at Kaiser Permanente here on Oahu and has been on our show before and always shares his expertise and knowledge with us. Thanks again for being on with us. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on Facebook and hear about what's up and coming as far as our body show and what we're talking about next week. 
Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week. We're going to talk a little bit about the latest in treatment for chronic pain. We will see you Monday at 5 right here on The Body Show.